Soundari Balaguru, PhD, is a clinical psychologist with over 15 years' experience supporting schools on the East Coast and the West Coast. Soundary is currently the founding director of social emotional learning and mental health at Changemakers Academy, which is a diverse K-8 school in Vallejo, California. In her work with students, faculty, and families, she is focused on creating a model school that is built upon a genuinely caring community, a school community in which students, teachers, staff, and families understand and accept that people make mistakes while providing each and every group with the practical tools to constructively address and manage challenges for everyone's benefit and everyone's progress. I hope you'll check out the show's notes to learn many more uh, fascinating details about Dr. Soundary's accomplishments. She deserves maximum respect for the breadth of her intellectual explorations and mastery, which are all so beautifully integrated with her heartfelt insights and motivations. Welcome, welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nini White, and I am so glad you're here to share this conversation with me. Soundary Balaguru, I appreciate you taking the time so much to have this conversation with us. Thank you, and welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. Thank you for hosting me. <laughs> I, I really wanted to talk to you because you have a PhD in clinical psychology. And from what I have read, it appears that you took that PhD in clinical psychology and prioritized social emotional learning as you, as you moved through and progressed through your professional career. And I wanted to ask what inspired you to adopt and deepen and expand SEL uh, in your work as a clinical psychologist? Great question. Um, you know, throughout my clinic, my career as a clinical psychologist, I've always worked in schools. And um, so I've had that um, unique experience um, as a clinician. And I think a few different themes and forces kind of shaped my work in the direction of social emotional learning. Um, one is that Unfortunately, for a long time, the field of psychology has really focused um, on pathology, especially clinical psychology, for, yeah. for good reason. Um, but, you know, thinking about how do we also see people's strengths? How do we use a strength-focused um, foundation for our work with, with students and with people? Wonderful. And so, yeah, thinking about how to, how to shift in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, I think initially I got interested because of the non-cognitive skills movement, um, thinking about Camille Farrington's early work um, around academic mindsets that drove behavior, like belongingness, self-efficacy. And um, when I looked at that work, I was really struck about the highlighting of the underpinnings of behavior. I felt like so many people were talking about like, well, why isn't the student doing their homework? Or like, maybe if we give them an agenda and teach them study skills, they'll be able to, you know, do what, you know, access the material and be more successful academically. But that really fell short for me, obviously, as a clinical psychologist, especially like, no, we're not really getting to the core, core challenges. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
I feel like that was one of the first times where I saw someone laying out a model that really focused on the underpinnings of behavior as it related to the academic work and academic potential and success. And so um, that kind of spurred my interest in looking into that into those areas like social emotional learning, looking at Castle's model and thinking about social awareness and self-awareness and what that meant for students overall functioning at school and in the world. Um, so that is that is kind of, I guess, the, the spark that drew me to so social emotional learning and, and what I think it needs to look like today, um, especially as a clinician really focusing on um, how an individual can build resilience. Um, when I think there's so many definitions of social emotional learning out there, but yeah. for, uh, for me, it's really this laser focus on, on thinking about an individual's internal resource and the resources they can um, leverage for themselves within their community. How can they um, use the support system to, to, do, to be their best selves? Um, so do you want to give us some uh, I love that theory. Now I want to put my feet on the ground and get some, uh, you know, real examples of what, what you've been able to bring for kids that were struggling in one specific way or another. Sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think about schools as, as a system. And so thinking about how do we make the most of that system? And if we look at, you know, research that looks at students' social-emotional competencies, it, 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 in, those increase as school culture and climate um, is more positive. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at a school as a system, there are ways we can integrate social-emotional learning throughout a school day, both in organic ways, but also in specific systemic ways. For example, um, the school in which I helped um, found we have a community circle every single morning for all of our students. So the students start the day um, being greeted, checking in about how they're feeling that day. And it's really clear that relationships are the foundation on which our school is built. Emphasis um, on community. Exactly, yep. exactly, exactly. And so there's a common language around social emotional skills and competencies. Mm. We use the toolbox curriculum to, to, to think about how can all students and all teachers have a language to talk about the skills that we're all trying to build. Do you um, wanna, I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you wanna just give a little bit of background on toolbox? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, there are 12 different tools. And for example, the very first one is the breathing tool. So take a deep breath, check in with yourself, um, be able to calm your body. And so, you know, this, this curriculum, I think, is at least 20 years old. Um, and it's very accessible because it's typical things that one might do in, in a day to help themselves um, feel good or, or feel better or connect with others. And it's, I, I would joke that toolbox is our second language, that, that all of our teachers and students have that, that language to use so that if a student's getting frustrated with the math problem, right, that they, they can be asked to take some time away. That's one of the tools, take some time away, maybe get a drink of water, come back, um, you know, attack that problem again. Or maybe they're trying to work out a difficulty with a friend. All right, let's pause. Let's all take a deep breath and then continue the conversation. So, and so healthy, so healthy. 
<laughs> and parents, you know, parents love the tools, right? They're like, yeah, these tools make total sense. Like they're not, they're very accessible because there are things that we all naturally do, but maybe we just need a reminder to do them more often right. or in particular right. situations. And not um, be, and not be shamed because we need to take a break or, or whatever, or feel self-conscious. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's right. Good. Okay, I interrupted you again. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, not at all, not at all. That was just like one example of kind of like how do we how do we both um, systematize the explicit teaching of social emotional skills, but also allow it to organically flourish during a school day. So important. Good. Okay. Uh, and then I interrupted you when you were you know when you mentioned toolbox. So then you defined toolbox, and then you were going on a, a track. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I think the other piece is thinking about discipline in schools. You know, oh. we're a full restorative practices school. Restorative justice is the is the way in which we enact logical consequences and discipline. And in many schools I was in in the past, there was such a there was so much siloing, right? Like this person is the dean of discipline, this person is the academic instructor, um, and instead of this. The, the integration between all of these pieces, like how can we work individually with the students saying, you know, we are going to work with you and support you in managing your anger. These are some ways in which, you know, you, you're working hard to do that. Like, of course, you're not going to get it 100% of the time, but these are the steps you're taking. This is the way caring adults are supporting you, us and your family. And then when a mistake is made, Oh, well now now you're going to be separated from the community you're going to be suspended like it's a very mixed message around like are we accepting of you who you are as a person and your mistakes and supporting you and becoming your best self and reaching your potential or are we punishing you at the first sign of misbehavior uh. and so <clears throat> you know we really believe that we need to invite you know invite students to to reflect and and sometimes maybe more than invite maybe strongly encourage yes. the students yes. to, to self-reflect and and think about like what you know what's my impact um on another person one of my principals says you know what what is more how do we support a student in taking more accountability than sitting down with a person they've harmed and having to hear how that impacted them right what is what is a more significant way to take accountability and so <clears throat> for students to to acknowledge like the the harm that they've caused to repair that harm with someone else um to think about what are the ways in which i've impacted this community like these are these are deep um processes that we're asking students to engage in and we know from the psychology literature that it's notoriously difficult to engage students in perspective taking and help them build empathy right and we can't we can't do that in isolation like they need to do that in community with with others um, with their friends with caring adults and we've seen you know definitely there are certain students who have patterns of behavior and it can get frustrating just like it can in a traditional discipline system where we're like this kiddo has been disciplined several times and you know it doesn't seem to be sinking in and you know sometimes with restorative practices we have some of those same thoughts you know it's not it's not we have those beautiful, beautiful like epiphany moments where we're like, this is how it's supposed to work. And like, yeah. look at the change in this person and look at how they're, um, you know, just making so many right choices now, quote unquote, right choices. Yeah. Um, but there's also students for whom it's the long game, right? Like we may not see 
everything we want to see from those students right now. Like it, it will take th that time over time that we see that change and and betterment and um, ability for them to interact with others in the way we want them to and and to love themselves in the way that we want them to. Uh, it, which makes me think, do you all have a sense of when you're uh, when it's required to to really have the the long game picture in your minds staff and faculty do you have you is there some part of you that that knows that sees that perceives this is going in even if we don't have any sign of it i mean mm -hmm. that was one of my hardest things that i had to learn as a teacher and just trust that process. What, can you mm -hmm. define any of that? Do you relate to any of that, what I'm saying? No, absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, what keeps us going and keeps, keeps the juice flowing, you know, is that we do, we do, do see those kiddos with, with all of these supports in place have made changes, right? We have a lovely young man um, who has been with us since, this, since our school was founded four years ago. Now this is our fifth year. Um, who was able to say, you know, I, I need to apologize. I need to apologize to the class because I've, I've made people feel unsafe and, and that's not right. That's not who I want to be. Um, you know, I, I want to apologize. I want, I want them to feel comfortable around me. I want to have friends. And, yeah. you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but not much. Like that's, that's pretty much what he said. And, um, you know, his family was so supportive. They came in and supported him and having that conversation and, um, you know, I don't want to give too many details um, yeah, yeah. just to, to protect privacy, but sure. um, how long did it take him to get to that place where you saw no visible signs of, of getting through to him, quote unquote? Yeah, I mean, it took a, it took a few years. I, I wouldn't say that along the way we didn't say, see any signs, you know, it's yeah. more like celebrating the small signs we see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, there there was times when we we weren't sure, you know, as to your yes. point. Um, and um, but it, it did. It, it took a number of years, but but the powerful change, like that that was a life changing. Mo you know, that was one of those epiphany moments. That was like a life changing moment for him. And um, for you know, does that mean right? that he never makes mistakes? Of course not. He makes mistakes. We all do. We you all know? do. We all do. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, um, I don't know if this is relevant even to bring this up, but it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Were there places where you were uh, trying to bring in social emotional learning into other schools and you got some resistance and if, is, did you were there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, <clears throat> schools are always pressed for time, right? right. Like, we never have enough time. Um, there's so much we want to do. There's so many directions you can go in with with um, supporting kids and, and encouraging them. And um, you know, time time is 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 hard because you know if if we're going to prioritize students' dignity, if we're going to prioritize, um, you know, and I think that's another piece to your previous question around like you know when when we get when we when we start to flag in in our in our beliefs and 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 how we want to approach kids we always have to remember like we are treating kids with dignity oh, and i love know, that you know it's even you know even when it's the hardest moment we have to yeah. you know i'd ra i'd rather make a mistake where we're treating a child with dig dignity rather than um falling into traps of traditional models of discipline that that don't allow allow that um 
and oh. so thinking about you know but going back to, to time and, and, the, and yeah. how do we, yeah. you know, we we have to we have to prioritize like learning isn't happening in a vacuum right we're not we're not teaching content we're teaching children we're teaching people and um we're teaching teenagers like whatever age you're working with you know the best teachers know that relationship connection kids you know resonating with the material like those are the things that that bring learning alive and allow students to integrate knowledge like social emotional learning and academic instruction there's such a false you know false wall between those 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 happen yeah. in in tandem <laughs> they don't exactly don't so. exactly how many times have we heard about i remember that one teacher i didn't even like biochemistry but then he just brought it alive and that made me love it you know i mean hello <laughs> that's right that's right absolutely yeah. beautiful beautiful so were you able to i know that you're basically in charge of uh, the social emotional learning at the school where you are now um were you able to change the thinking in the other schools where you were or um to a, you know, to a significant degree where they actually did a flip and were able to really integrate those two, the academic and the social emotional sides? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's varied a lot. I wouldn't say that I've been, you know, that was uniformly successful, but uh -huh. I do think like so much has to do with um, the leadership in the school. I, yeah. I've been really fortunate. I've worked with some amazing principals. Um, and they really, you know, principals really have a, a, a significant and, and maybe might, one might even say disproportionate power in yeah. terms of like how much they impact the culture and climate of a school. It's really mm -hmm. fascinating. Um, and, you know, when, when a principal is committed to, to the, these philosophies and mindsets that we put students first, we, we prioritize relationship, we, um, you know, encourage students to learn from their mistakes all of those things support whole child learning and so in schools that i've been in that have have been able to do that it's it's a shared mindset around that and it's not like even in my current school you know to say that you know i am the director of sel and mental health but mm -hmm. i'm in in a way i'm not really in charge of it like if i was the one person in charge of it yeah. it wouldn't be successful like it's of it's course. a shared you know a shared team effort and and the prince the principal has to to believe and understand the whys and it's and I think that can be learned over time, but there has to be an interest and a motivation to do that. And, um, but I've definitely seen schools shift their culture, um, you know, from, from one that was more traditional um, to one that really thought about the whole child. And it's a painful process, that change man management process. And um, it can be kind of a crisis for schools. And, and sometimes it's, it's not linear, right? Like schools are continuously going through that process um, because the comprehensiveness of the approach is, is hard for people to wrap their minds around. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot that, and it needs to be in a system. I think also a system in general that is like healthy in the sense of like that, that teachers are felt like that the teacher well-being is taken into, is taken care of, that instruction is, um, solid and supported that teachers are encouraged in multiple ways right it's not just about like okay we're helping 
teachers consider the whole child and that means we're only focused on building their social emotional skills and competencies. No, like teachers have to feel mastery in the area in which they're being asked to perform, which is academic instruction. So again, I think breaking down those silos, like you can have someone who's coaching and supporting and, and mentoring or training a teacher, and that person has to have that whole child picture, like that I am supporting this this teacher in math instruction and content um, internalization. And I'm also talking with them about like, hey, this student is thrown off your whole class by some of these behaviors. Let's talk about why, how can we connect with this student? Like, what does this particular child need? Um, that, that these, again, you know, that they're, they're working in, in, in tandem with each other. I love that. And, and basically it, it, it changes the whole paradigm of course, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it values every human being because what you're talking about, again, is connection, community, mm -hmm. interactions that are satisfying for everyone, really. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> Hello, world, <laughs> are you listening? <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, it's just always so interesting to me, or I don't know if interesting is the right word, when teachers resist bringing social emotional learning. I mean, it's only a win-win for everyone. Uh, kids, obviously. Teachers, obviously. Families, community. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir now, but I well, you know, I think I also think like some teachers are are doing it, but they they don't call it that, right? Like, right. Even, you right. Know, some you know these teachers who are like, oh, all their all their kids. You know, all their students love them every year. They can't wait to have that teacher. But yes. she, you know, she, she says she doesn't do social emotional learning. And I'm right. like, doesn't she though? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and, and again, and that's where like, I guess, you know, again, like it's, it's a challenge, right? With the term SEL, like how yes. do we define it? What does it mean? Like, you know, but relationships are the foundation. And, and some people might say, well, you're not talking about social emotional learning. You're just talking about relationships. But like, it's not, again, they're, they're, the, the overlap between those two things is immense. Like you can't, you know, I think just like you can't teach math unless you've internalized, how, you know, how to do that, like how do you internalize the content. Similarly, like with social emotional competencies, like it's, you know, very much more maybe potentially complex. But, you know, if you're not able as the teacher, if you're not able to take a deep breath when you're frustrated, um, you can't expect your kids to, right? Right, right. Right. Got to live it before you can uh, teach it or communicate it or uh, evoke it from the kids. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So you, I, I love your passion, by the way, and, and passion <laughs> is an overused word, but I love how much you feel this and the, the value of it. So Thank you. you are the founding director, thank goodness, of social emotional <laughs> learning and mental health at Caliber change makers academy mm -hmm. and you have k through eight school in vallejo mm -hmm. california mm -hmm. it must be so satisfying to be at that school for you so mm -hmm. i'm so happy for you and for all the kids how many students do you have at that school we have almost 800 students and how is it working now with the with the remote with the remote situation mm -hmm. covid how's that going yeah, no, great question. Definitely, yeah. we're we're, all, we're fully distanced, um, and you know, it, it, rightfully so. People are like, "How do we do this? How do we build community in in 
in virtual learning, right? Right, right. And so it's thinking about like, how do we use our existing, existing systems? How do we iterate those systems for the virtual world, but not lose sight of kind of like some of the fundamentals, right? And so, you know, thinking about, um, you know, I get to be in kindergarten circles quite frequently. That's the grade level that I'm um, <laughs> working with. And, um, you know, every morning during the temp check, you know, definitely there are kiddos who are, who are like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling tired or, you know, not, not fully ready to meet the day. But then there's other kiddos who are like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about, <laughs> about school. <laughs> like, and it went to your point, Mimi, about like this, this is why teachers come, you know, many teachers are coming to the profession because they want to be with students and children and they love kids, you know? And, yeah. and these moments, even over Zoom, um, allow that same spirit, right? To, to, to breathe, breathe into the virtual world. And um, similarly, um, you know, we were talking about, can't remember the impetus for it, but, you know, the teacher mentioned you know, that that's the time when we might use our breathing tool. Maybe it's like waiting your turn, right, to be called on. That's uh -huh. the time when we might use our breathing tool. And, and you could see the kids do, there's a gesture that goes with each tool. And you could see the kids doing it in their little Zoom windows, the little breathing oh. tool gesture. Oh. Um, and then we have the opposite end of the age spectrum with, with middle school. And, um, you know, that, you know, obviously, not surprisingly, that's been a little bit more challenging. Like, how do we get students engaged? Um, you know, today we had a conversation with, with our middle school team about, you know, they're making these um, wonderful connections with you as, as these caring adults, but like more than half the reason kids come to school so they can see their friends and connect with oh, their yeah. peers. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, how do we, how do we keep iterating that in this, in this Zoom platform? Um, you know, do we, do we take a step back from our typical daily themes for circle and just let's, let's just play games, you know, like let's get kids into a good mood in the morning. Like we were talking about, um, there was uh, one of the teachers designed um, this great like zoom hide and seek game where kids have to like go through their house and um, like go with their computer, like turn off their camera, go with their computer in, in, in different rooms in their house. And then the teacher guesses where there are. So if the teacher's like, if you're in a closet, I found you, turn your camera on. And so she's like, just like so creative, right? Like using like their, the kids are at home, but she's still using the Zoom platform. She's playing a game with them. So they're like excited. They're, she's getting them moving first thing in the morning. Uh. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that's more creative than me. That came from the teachers. Like the teachers <laughs> are, your, are, your, are your best resource, right? Yes. Uh, um, so there's in kindergarten, they were playing with the whiteboard. Like the teacher would draw a picture on the, on the shared screen whiteboard. The kids would have to guess it. Like, um, but every morning, you know, our kids do a temp check, like, how are you feeling this morning? And um, that the, the same teacher with the hide and seek game, she, she was, she, she, you know, one of the first things she asked in the morning is, hey, do you need a check-in? Do you need a check-in from a classmate, classmate, myself, or, or one of our school clinicians? Um, you know, let me know, like, that's, that's something that's also part of the routine, right? So this acknowledgement of, um, we we can lift our our mood as an individual in individual or in in community with each other but if if you're struggling we're not going to ignore that right like obviously we're not just going to paper over that we also want you know you to get what you need um if if, if it's a check-in or or something even more than that <sighs> so beautiful 
And it just makes so much sense because then everybody's on the same team. Mm-hmm. So, okay, now we're going to shift and do the schoolwork, uh, but we can, we'll just take the day as it unfolds for us, basically, even though we have some agendas and criteria and we're here for several reasons, not just rah, hammer through the academics. It's, and we and they have to want to be there and they have to be there right Before yeah exactly we can the academics right and exactly and, um, you know the positivity some of our teachers like their positivity just like vibrates through the screen you know and um you know another teacher did this great thing where a student was feeling she wasn't feeling well physically and started to disengage and um she had her and she, and she was a student had who had relationship capital with her peers so it was and it was puzzling because she she felt like um the student herself was feeling hesitant or like like not like worried about what her friends were thinking um and then the teacher actually had them all um like she had she basically opened up the chat in zoom and was like hey you know the student hasn't been to the class can we send her some shout outs or some love. And, and so she took all those comments from the chat, made a, a Google doc um, and, and connected with our clinician and sent that, that all those like shout outs and positive um, comments to the student. And she has you know, been engaged in class after that point. Um, and so you know, again, that was the teacher, <laughs> you know, like being creative and being like, hey, and, um, and are, genuinely being there with the kids for the kids because of the kids mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. picture i mm-hmm. love it um we're gonna have to end this conversation soon but i just wanted to go to one more and i appreciate your time here sandri thank you so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. i just before covid and after covid uh, I think this question would be more relevant, but maybe not. And I just wanted to know, we're all, our minds are very concerned about racial inequities in this mm. country of ours. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you have any insights or practical ways in which your SEL approaches are, are facing this one head on. Do you have mm-hmm. any thoughts for us? Absolutely. You know, and thank you for asking that explicitly. I think in, <laughs> for me, um like equitable practices anti-racist practices like live hand in hand with social emotional learning in such such a way that sometimes i almost forget to speak to it explicitly Vallejo is an extremely diverse community we have um asian american students black american latino american white american students um it's one of the most diverse communities in the united states actually and um you know there there is no conversation that that is colorblind right like this is when we talk about social emotional learning and racial inequity and and being anti-racist as educators like they all live hand in hand yes we we have to be self-aware we have to examine our own biases um we have to be able willing to name our own biases um, and find commonality but also celebrate difference all of those pieces live out, um, you know, can, can live out in, in different social emotional learning frameworks, right? Like if we're talking about social awareness with a student, like what does that mean? Like if you use this word or term that's hurtful and painful to another person, 
like, let's talk about that in depth. Like that's about you being self-aware about what, where your bias may have come from. Um, what does that mean for how this impacted this other student and social awareness? How do you repair that relationship? Um, you know, what's the historical context behind this? And um, that, you know, that'll vary by age level, right? I'm thinking about a student in mid elementary school. Um, and we had a conversation about colorism, you know, like this is, this is not okay. Like um, thinking about the ways in which you're denigrating people based on their, the, the, the depth of color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that being a restorative conversation, but also drawing upon the foundational um, ideas of, you know, we are a school that engages in self-reflection and self-awareness and that repairs relationships, but um, takes accountability too. Like, what do you need to do after this conversation to live out, um, live out the restoration, right? Like you, you had this conversation, but what does that mean after today? Exactly, Um, exactly. mm -hmm. And connecting with the family, of course, too, who's going to reinforce those messages. I just love that. And, and the thing about bias is, my God, I'm, I'm seeing them bubble up in me now once I made a commitment to start. Wait a minute, I'm not biased. I love black people. I love Latinos. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, oh, where did that, you know, at once George Floyd was murdered and, mm-hmm. and these things they kept saying, you know, black people kept saying, you don't realize what you're doing. You don't realize how hurtful you are. You have to own the solutions, you know, and it was just like, I was defensive at the start, but then to be really respectful, I had to say, well, what are they talking about, you know, and then I would see these little shadows of sneaky little shadows bubble up in me that I, your thoughts can be so, they're, they're what you breathe, they're the air you breathe, you know, and you just don't, you have to commit to examining and it's it's tricky work it's tricky work and tell me how your teachers are dealing with that yeah you know we made a commitment as a school even in i think almost almost since our founding to to really engage in this work um so we had a foundation to build on but even so of course like the depth um that we need to the depth of the work continues right and um What's, what's the difference between being an equitable um, educator and an anti-racist educator, right? Like really taking that step. Mm-hmm. Um, an example might even be, you know, when we think about heritage months, right? Like um, right now it's what is it? heritage months. Oh, right. Okay. So like right now it's Hispanic heritage month, for example, and um, you know, going beyond just not, of course we want to celebrate culture, right? But going beyond that to also talk about like the Chicano um, civil rights movement, right? Like um, thinking about that we, we have to go beyond just celebrating diversity, but actually looking at systems of oppression yes. and how, how people have worked to fight oppression and then currently what our students can do. In the spring, in, in the wake of George Floyd's and Aubriana, sorry, Brianna Taylor and uh, Aubrey, uh, Aubrey yeah. um, you know, just a horrific, you know, and, and the thing is like, but it's not, you, you know, that, that was that moment in time that we were all able to bring our attention to it, but it's been right. happening obviously for years. And yes. The dehumanization of, of Black Americans is, is hundreds of years long. And, and to really sit with that, I think, 
is incredibly painful and uncomfortable, but needs to be done because otherwise, how can we, you know, we need to recognize before we can change. And um, in the spring, with our with our staff and and with our students, right? Like we we had those hard conversations. Um, with our students, I created some circles, um, some circle plans around, um, and in conjunction with with colleagues as well. Like, you know, what what you know, protests. <laughs> protests have been happening throughout American history, right? Like, there, the people will always say there's no right way to protest. What does it even mean to protest? Like, what what rights do we have now? Women can vote now because of protests. You know, right, like right. the idea of like that that contextual history. Um, thinking about like, are we centering the the murder of Black Americans or are we centering property damage? Like, how are we talking about the things that are happening right now in the world? Um, how do we take care of our, our families and our community and our colleagues who for whom this pain is 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 a family member's pain, right? Like, and that um, we can have empathy, but we we also need to understand that this this grief. The grief that we might feel as non-Black Americans is nothing to the grief that that Black nothing. Americans are feeling. Nothing. And so, what what is our part? Like, how do we how do we share that burden um, of dismantling racism? Like, this this needs to be sh shared by everyone, and to not lose energy for it, right? Like, already people are losing the energy to do this work because. Once it makes you uncomfortable, it's easy to retreat, right? And, and myself included, I don't want to say like for anybody, right? Is what I'm saying, and I should really speak to, for myself, right? When I become uncomfortable, it's it's easy for me to want to escape or easy for me to want to focus on something else. And so, um, keeping our eye on the prize and and no child can be their full selves and achieve their full potential until we are working. In, in collaboration with everyone to, to make sure that we're creating a more equitable society, right? A society that recognizes their gifts and strengths, every child's gifts and strengths. And there is one race, the human race, with different colors, you know? And, and when that mentality can sink in for all of us, you know, different cultures for sure. Uh, but I love how you've expressed this and uh, feeling that you have for it and the truthful uh, explanation of the challenges that are involved. The one thing that I would say is that the, it's painful for sure, but any woman who has given birth knows that there are certain kinds of pain that are worth it, you know, and that even in the midst of it, there is the reward, you know, and I think it's been very uh, rightly expressed that it is our work to do, our people, ours who do not have those challenges, mm -hmm. um, me especially as a white woman. But anyway, that is a whole other conversation. <laughs> and, <laughs> and But I love that your school is, is really taking it on, not in a pussyfooting kind of a way. That's That's... That's extending your philosophy of the dignity of each student, which I really appreciated in the early part of this conversation. And it's hard. All of this is hard work, right? It's, but it's hard work that's, 
that I'd rather be doing this work and this hard work than working just as hard without the, the recognition of the importance of all of these pieces that we've talked about. Exactly. And this hard work has wonderful rewards. And that other uh, avoiding the hard work really does not have any rewards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't want to end this conversation, but we have to timing. Wise, so. <laughs> <laughs> Soundry, thank you. I know I just feel so honored that I got to grab you for, for this amount of time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank no, you. thank you, Nini. <laughs> all right. We'll be in touch. How did you feel about Soundary's insights in that last section of our conversation? I love and honor that she perceives the topics of racial inequities, dealing with personal biases, and having uncomfortable conversations with students as essential elements of students' learning and development. I came away from this conversation with maximum respect for the depth of Soundary's insights and also for her noble commitment to doing the hard, but profoundly rewarding work of nurturing students' social-emotional learning, while also giving them the necessary tools and encouragement to follow up their learning with actions, actions that matter for moving in directions that are increasingly more positive and more inclusive. Talk about big picture. <laughs> Do you love this podcast? then I have one big favor to ask of you. And it's, it's, I really do need you to do this. I need you to write a review and post it on the platform where you listen. It does not have to be a long, flowery review. Of course, it has to be positive to have a good influence, but it really does make a difference. The more reviews, the more uh, we rise up in the search engines and... Um, Obviously, that's why we're here. We want to be more helpful and more available to more teachers and parents. And I need you to help make that happen. Okay? Thank you. Okay, and remember to check this episode's notes to learn more about Soundary's accomplishments. Until next time, keep growing yourself in more and more, into more and more of a big picture thinker. Because we are all living in an expanding universe, so we have to keep expanding too. Okay, until next time.